Uh, as Drake would say, I keep it a hundred. Like I got a hundred pound dumbbell in each hand because I hit a PR. <laughs> I did. It's true facts. I am officially in the one hundred pound dumbbell club for bench, and I'm that is not a fib. That's not a fab. I'm a man that does the extra slow eccentric, as they say, because I have such a eccentric personality. <laughs> it's not a flat. It's like, but it's not an incline. It's that, you know, you have the flat bench and you put it up literally at the next setting that I found to be the perfect setting for comfort, getting in position. By the way, can I just say, and maybe because I don't do real grown, grown, grown man weight yet, but you know, I'm getting in the, oh, I see you weight. Um, and my chest is still not that big. It's the craziest thing. I don't know, like, but I have such great control of my body and your body. Um, <laughs> come here, my little pretty Ricky. Let me put this dicky inside your slicky until your legs start kicky. <laughs> oh, just don't leave a hickey. Oh, I'll I'll have you Minnie in the mouse like Mickey. Um, <laughs> oh Jesus. All right, I do love a girl named Winnie. Whoopsies. Sorry. When you're in the rhyming flow, sometimes you just can't stop dropping the bars down low. Oh, on the down low. Like R. Kelly. Um, alright, now this just took a turn. But yeah, hundred pound dumbbell. In each hand, by the way. You know. And there's gonna be like some sixteen year old out there that's doing like one seventy five in your hand, in their hands and you're like, Oh, I am just a big fish in a small pond. Depends on the gym you go to if you get the reference. Um, that's the weird part. Like, just three months. Sorry, not to make this about the gym. But you know what? You should only speak about what you're passionate about. And what you care about. And what you do. You know? So, yeah. Damn, that was actually kind of a deep introspection. But, just like, I don't know. It just feels like three months ago. I would like not even... I would be like, I'm. it's not even worthwhile to even try to attempt, probably hurt myself. But there's something about, I think, confidence. It's more than just, like, your physical well-being. Like, obviously, you get stronger. Like, I got up to 90s a while ago, not too long ago, where I was like, oh, shit. And then 95s, I would get on certain days where I could do four or five reps of a couple sets. And, like, and I'm like, okay. I'm doing, and then like, you know, you hit a slide back and then like, that's with me with these chest press and stuff is like, I hit, I I had, I hit this plateau thing where it's like, if I don't eat right that day, it's one of those exercises where if I don't prepare myself and do everything necessarily preparing your body, right, sleep and all that, it's going to be pretty rough and you feel like you're in the same place for a period of time, especially when you're not working out as consistently. But when it's good, you're like, holy shit, I'm a fucking monster. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a great feeling to just progress and actually like, oh, you know, I dedicate a lot of time to this stuff like a, for a good year and a half. And then like, you know, things with work and stuff, it kind of. If he's at, you don't get to do it as often. Uh, your motivation to do it wanes. But you still make time for it. And you're like, oh. And as days like yesterday, it was like, you know what, man? I did the goddamn thing. Um, and I even did like, bent over row. Well, it's weird to say. It's weird how like girls like to call it bent over row. We like to call it barbell rows. They're the same thing. Well, except depending on how much of your lower back is being weighed down by it. And if you're going to have lower back problems, it's a real thing. Watch out with those rows. Unless I'm trying to row, row, row your boat. <laughs> All right. Keep your ducks in a row because I'm Duck Dynasty, bitch. Pew! Oh, damn it. I really needed a duck whistle. But yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, blow the whistle. That'd be like... Someone should do a remix of Blow the Whistle. Dun, dun. And then with the Doug Dynasty whistle, we're like, 
whatever the duck noise is. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fool. But yeah, don't duck the 100-pound dumbbells. You can do it too. But yeah, that, that's like a landmark. Like There's certain landmarks. This is for the weightlifting community. There's certain landmarks. Like when you're in a general place, and let's just say like most dudes on certain, like they're typically around 65s and then, they get to 70s, and that's typically the place like comfort. Like, all right, if I stay at the 70s, I'm maintaining whatever. Then, like, when you get to that 80s, there's like this weird thing where, like, the 80s, it feels like this whole different weight when you're at that strength of place. Like, 80s is like, oh shit. And then, like, 85s feels like a whole different. Then, 90s. Then, then, and then, like, each fine pound feels like a whole different realm of a world. And then, for some reason, 100 pounds. It didn't even feel like it was anything absurd. Like I mean, it was heavy getting out, but once I got sat on the bench, and I always say it like this: if you can get the weight off and be able to push up on your own without a spotter, and be able to hold it statically without shaking and have enough elbow and shoulder strength <clears throat> to maintain and stabilize it, <clears throat> you can do the weight, and that's a true indicator of whether you can do a weight really well efficiently and controlling the weight control builds power you see this is why damn look at clint punch city this is why especially as a man control of what you do and everything you say your actions your emotions control of what you are doing will build strength physically and mentally having control to weigh out the naysayers to say I don't give a fuck what you say about how I'm doing my job. I'm I'm doing the things, eh? Um, And that's the thing, like, I think the more power and strength you build of yourself, it really does bring a strength of yourself that parlays itself out to people. And I do feel like people, some people, get very intimidated by that. And they see that you maximize what you do. And it kind of um, can make them feel type of way. So they got to find ways to try to uh, humble you or try to bring you down to earth, as they say. <clears throat> but you just got to know that what you're doing is right. God damn, my voice keeps on. <clears throat> Sorry, that'll be the last big old cough. But yeah, 100 pound dumbbells. It's a it's a big di- It's a big day. And now I'm running into a problem because once I'm able to do that for consecutive reps, I can't move up and wait any longer at my gym because that's what it stops at. Um, <laughs> so I'm either going to have to get a whole new gym membership or just be a one that's people like, oh, I'm just maintaining. Um, well, it's weird because it's actually a 120-pound dumbbell. They just skipped 20 pounds because they got it just for a few big-ass dudes at my gym like one's a big ass firefighter who like there's always a one guy at a gym that is just absurdly just out of everyone's league and there's like i would say three of those dudes now they're all grown men where like you'll randomly come everyone you know is typically mostly younger dudes some teenagers girls women whatever most people just go walk on treadmill do basically you know whatever and then there'll be some like firefighter dude, literally on the pull down machine, just the full stack. <laughs> he has 120 pound dumbbells just so he can, you know, do sets of 10 and 12 on the bench. Um, <laughs> the one guy that literally just deadlifts like, you know, 500 pounds. And just like he'll just do that for three or four sets and call it a day. And he just looks like a fucking giant ass defensive tackle, like with like a good build. Like, and it's like, and here I am bragging about accomplishing this. Damn, I just humbled myself within a big expounder. But yeah, any jizz. Yeah, welcome to episode 248. Yeah, 248. Yeah, episode 248 of the Off and Be podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most point, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to suck some titties. As you can tell by my energy, 
Yes, I am recording this at 1.43 p.m. These afternoon pods, when you have time to do them, it's a whole different place. It's a whole different space. Uh, I feel like I'm going to a race to which mountain you want me to climb, baby. <laughs> I'm such a fool. Um, which is kind of my appeal. Um, they say fool's gold. I say, oh, you keep digging for the gold, digger. Um, uh, I said digger, by the way. I realized with the Irish voice, it may not be clear what I said. But, you know, I'm, the audio will play me back, trust me. I trust myself. It's either in your vocab or it's not. So you have nothing to worry about. But yeah, today's energy drink, or today's sponsored drink to give you the energy you need, is Ghost Sour Watermelon. Well, Warhead Sour Watermelon. These things don't have the same kickaboo to the mouth but they work uh just eat very lightly do it after you wake up and these things will hit you they'll hit you like a group of baby mama's hands after you got another girl pregnant um (laughs) i be saying shit that people like oh you must experience like i don't have baby mamas i've never had a girl punch me in the face or punch hands or throw hands at my girlfriend um (laughs) i'm such a fool yeah i guess don't have baby mamas if you don't need to that's the moral of all that and i think 98 percent of dudes would say so unless it works in your favor you know unless you could keep them in control like kendrick on a verse um which, ironically, that dude was out of control on that verse. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, for the archives, recording this on January... Today's 6th? Today's January 6th. Or is it the 5th? Hold on. Uh, I mean, it don't really matter all that much. It is 5th. Friday, January 5th, 2024. Still getting used to that 24. Yeah, it's great. You know, I just realized if you were born in 2000, the age of your, whatever age you are will always match up with the ending of the year as long as you're alive through the next, well, even if you are alive, if you're alive for 110 years, if you were born in 2000, then it was 2001, you're one years old, 2002, two, literally for your whole life. You only have to think it like, you're like, whatever year it is, yep, I'm 28, you know, or I'm 24, you know, I'm 28, I'll be 29 sometime this year, nine months from now, I guess I should get someone, get my lady pregnant, and it'll come out just in time, right, um, have a baby on my birthday, I don't know if I want that, you know, actually, I kind of would, you know, because then my birthday could just fly under the radar. When you have a kid, it's like, yep, make it all about them. But then again, I can't even say like, hey, on my birthday, I kind of just want to be alone because I can't say I want to be alone my kid's birthday, even though it's my birthday too, you know. But I guess you should want to celebrate your birthday anyways with your family. But it's like, that's what the rest of the day is for. Today's for me, right? It's funny as a guy, your birthday is never for you anymore. Your birthday's for everyone else, especially when you have a family, right? But, like, if you're a girl or a mom, something's like, I need a day away, do this. A guy's like, can I just watch the fucking game without you getting in my business? God fucking damn it. Um, <laughs> speaking for the masses out there, not me. My birthday, I believe I was left alone to do whatever the fuck I want. Um, But, yeah. But yeah. It's a beautiful time, you know. It only took me 14 minutes to actually start the pod, right? After the introduction and stuff. I remember one... I remember... I don't know why this just popped in my head when I used to rap. I, I say like I had like a five legendary mixtape. Which, by the way, Lil Wayne said, Future has the best mixtape of all time. I'm gonna be honest. I've never really listened to a Lil Wayne mixtape, and I've never really listened to Future's mixtape. 
Um, because one, they're not really available on Spotify. You kind of have to search for it or pay for it. <laughs> I'm not paying for that. <laughs> What's the point in paying for Wi-Fi if I can't just search for it for free? Um, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I don't know. I I just saw that and I'm like, future. I've never really been into futures music. Um, so I. I found it interesting because I'm like the best mixtape of all time based off what we get from future now in general. I'm not saying it makes bad. It's not my type of music. I don't really enjoy it, but obviously it's popular. A lot of people like it. I only hear the ones he does with Drake shocker as a mainstream vulture. I am. And, uh, so I don't know. I've just never heard all I've heard about mixtape legends are the little Wayne's even Papoose, when you come to New, like when you talk about New York, um, you know, trying to think of other examples, but they're like actual like the mixtape days where like that's how you would, oh, this person can rap, but it's off familiar beats, so it's like, oh, I like this artist, like, and then when they start making their own music, I guess that's really mixtapes are designed to show your skill set. That's why, like now with like rap music or any music it's like it's not just all about the lyrics and the rapping it's more about making the music so there's a lot more to it like those days back in the day were like the drakes the j coles the uh i guess a papooses who doesn't have like mainstream albums but he's like a combination of a battle rapper freestyler like he has nothing but respect in the community and it's just kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess you're telling my ignorance on this stuff. Like, why am I talking about something I don't know about? But I don't know. Sometimes, like, you don't even have to, like, really listen or watch and be like, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. Future has the greatest mixtape of all time. I don't know. I've never heard it. Maybe this shit's amazing. I just feel like there's probably others where mixtapes would shine more on people, but... Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's a great, great time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Future Drake. Um, <laughs> funny how it all works out. Well, I do got the energy. <laughs> oh, I got a lot of enemies, especially when these paychecks clear and they're like, damn, he still works here, huh? Um, <laughs> I'm just ball busting if that's what they like. Um, you know, oh yeah, no, anyway, let's talk about, speaking of my old Instagram rap days, new year, new weave this year, just leave. I don't think you heard about no one, get it, no one, but Alicia got the keys. It's much better when it's in a flow behind instrumental, but I remember, you know, that's how into myself I am. And I admit, I could be into myself. Not that I'm really into myself, but I'm very, I'm very entertaining to myself, right? That's why I'm like, let me press record and have other people agree, right? But I'm very, I flatter myself. Um, <laughs> that sounds bad. Um. I just enjoy stuff I do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Why, why Why is there something wrong with someone just enjoying stuff that they do? And people want to make you feel like bad for it. Like, oh, you're not humble enough, you know? Oh, you spend all your time on you. Oh, you're just so self-absorbed. It's like, all right, you know what? I'm self-absorbed. I'm into myself. I make time to do things I enjoy. And... All these people that would say that stuff, when they would claim someone else is self-absorbed into themselves, yet they're doing all these quote-unquote unselfish things, these humble things and all this stuff, and they do the most fucked up sketchy shit, like scam you out of your money. Um, <laughs> They'll be the ones that go around doing all this, and then, you know, they're the ones that are sneaking in hotel rooms with, you know, Touchdown Jakes. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, the touchdown Jakes is from the JBP. But yeah, so TD Jakes. Um, <laughs> I guess that's where we'll start 20 minutes in. I don't know if he starts 20 minutes in. Um, I feel like there's probably got to be a little bit more of foreplay for TD Jakes because that's a big man. Um, <laughs> oh, he be uh, spreading the gospel all right. Um, you hear that sound? Um, <laughs> as O'Shea Dude Jackson would say, booty clapping sounds. Um, <laughs> look, I don't look. All this stuff with Diddy involvement. Like, you know what? If stuff's being reported about for eight years, they're not being pulled out of thin air. Well, sometimes air can thin down there. Um, <laughs> Goddamn McClain. Stop it. Stop it. Um, <laughs> um, look. All that, you know, the, I will say, like, the only thing that's kind of weird, like, these outside rumor gossip. Like, I guess what do they get out of T.D. Jakes getting that, you know? Like, what what do they get? Because as far as I know, like, T.D. Jakes wasn't out here doing, maybe he is, I don't know, maybe there's more of a story. Like, he's not out here doing, like, the weird, illegal, forcing people, forcing women to sleep with He was just someone that, you know. I guess because he's not preaching, he's not living what he preaches, and I guess if you're connected to people doing that, you're complicit, you know what's going on, even if you're not directly involved. It feels like one of those things that people just want the shock aspect of it, like, oh, I heard T.G. Jakes like Vaseline in his booty, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, it's kind of funny that someone in that deep religious circles preaching this, that, and the other and very passionate in their faith and stuff like that. And they completely go outside of it. And it's to me, it's more funny than not because that's why you can't take these famous pastors serious. Like, they may be very knowledgeable on what they're, and they may mean well, especially when they enter the field. But once it starts becoming commercialized, become one of those overnight 3 a.m. paid programming things and these public stream services that make a shitload of money. I mean, he had his own TV show. Like, when pastors start having their own TV show, like, that's how I found out about TD Jakes, right? Touchdown Jakes, um, or Too Deep Jakes, or Thick Dick Jakes. Um, I'm just making shit up. All right. Uh, it's not funny to make fun of a bishop's name's acronyms. It's like, and eh, well, I'm not the one that, you know, let it in and out like he did, you know, and it shouldn't change his message. It shouldn't change whether people listen to him and stuff like at the end of the day, you know what, what a man does with his cheeks is not for me to speak. Um, <laughs> But, look, it is what it is, right? I think it's weird that it got exposed kind of unnecessarily. And I'm pretty, and I think the reason why it got exposed is because all this stuff with Diddy stuff, Cassie, because I think when it starts, Cassie's, Cassie turned in some documents to the feds proving all the shit she was saying, all these videos and stuff. And part of that information expose TD Jakes, right? In certain ways. And it's like, you're telling me how these, let's just say, hundreds of videos, these thousands of documents, whatever, emails. You tell me TD Jakes is like the only ones we're going to focus on? How come out of everyone, TD Jakes is the one that got exposed? You know? I don't know. Hey, someone have a personal vendetta against him? I don't know. I'm not here. And day, that's all he did was he just liked to be a PB, and I'm not talking about peanut butter. Um, well, hopefully peanut butter doesn't come out during it. Um, <laughs> it would definitely be, it would definitely look like that natural oily peanut butter. I can tell you that. All right, <laughs> don't skippy on my whippy. 
Um, <laughs> I'm on one today. Um, <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about. You got to make yourself laugh. These, these situations, these stories speak for themselves. Let's wait for all the facts to come out. It's like, all right, you can wait for the facts. I'm going to have a good time. Then when the facts come out, you'll be a little too late to the fun time. And then everyone will be past the story and you'll be trying to, now since the facts are out, here's what we gathered. And no one gives a fuck at that point. Because this is when it's fun, when it's unproven. And they don't come out and deny it. They just say in a gospel stream that if you want me, if you tune in to have me address lies, tune out. And it's like, if you just didn't want to address it, you just wouldn't address it. That's the thing, right? Then you kind of made a whole thing about yourself when it's supposed to be about spreading the word of Jesus and gospel. And you took a minute to make it about yourself in a avenue where it shouldn't be spoken about. I don't know. I wouldn't use Jesus's platform to talk about how my bottom got powered, but teach their own. Anywho, bear, um, bear, probably not the best term. Um, (laughs) but so there's this Cat Williams interview. By the time this interview, by the time this episode posts, it'll probably be like a week, week and a half after all this, anyways. But it is interesting, right? It's Cat Williams. I, I will, I, the only reason why I didn't finish the whole thing because I was so dead tired. But, like, he was keeping me up. Pause. Um, <laughs> he was keeping me up from falling asleep. Still a pause, but you guys know what I mean. Cat Williams was going in on everyone. And you know, like, when someone... You can tell by the start of an interview if someone's just, like, there to just level everything out, make a point. He came with a purpose. And that man didn't fumble a single word. And it seems like from what everyone said, that man, I think Shannon Sharp went that like, all right, we're going to address a few things, but I'm going to, you know, talk about this, talk about your career. And the cowboy was like, no, I'm here to address every motherfucker that wants to talk shit and put the truth out on the table, right? Because, I, you know, I do think Cat Williams has been ex- embarrassed for a lot of years for a lot of different things. And I think he's reached that point in life of peace, success, that he's just like, I don't give a fuck. I don't need y'all's money. I have money. I'm here to expose this bullshit that these people that are trying to save their brand for image. And Cat Williams is just like, I don't fuck your brand. Fuck your image. Like Ricky Smiley, I don't give a fuck about your big radio show. I don't give a fuck about this. You were supposed to be my character on Friday. Oh, really? Because originally they were supposed to be R-A-P-E, and you would have been cool with that. Cat Williams came in like, nah, we're not doing that. If we're trying to make a comedy here, there's no reason for that. And basically, I didn't know this. I didn't even know Ricky Smiley was in movies, but apparently in most movies that Ricky Smiley has been in, he has played a girl more than a guy. Which is kind of, whoa. I, I have to look into that, but... I haven't seen any comments that have said it's not true, right? And all these, like, things per like, oh, like Cedric the Entertainer, which I think, you know, I like him as an actor. I've heard some of his stand-up during the, when they had the Kings of Comedy, I've heard some, like, you know, I find him pretty funny. He was always been entertaining, hence the Entertainer. But <laughs> apparently the Entertainer part is supposed to be because he's supposed to sing, dance, all this stuff, and he's like... We found out he couldn't sing, dance, or anything. He doesn't even write his own stuff. He has people write for all this stuff. And I'm like, all right. And then he said Kevin Hart's industry plan. And I think a lot of people have said that over the years. I don't know. He's like, how are you this big thing here, but you start here. You weren't even selling out in the biggest clubs. You're in this club, you know. And Tiffany Haddish going, was like, whoa, like this man. Look, he may be on, but he seemed sober other than the little cognac they were sipping on, right? But he was very coherent in everything he was saying. 
And that man came with a mission. And that boy, and the thing didn't blast, and the thing didn't blow off a liftoff. That thing went into space, orbited around the moon, and like eight, 80 years later, came back down and fell in the ocean once the episode was over. Like he went, they accomplished, got all the data they needed, and he said, I'm good. Mission accomplished. And I'll be honest, like, when uh, I said, because Shannon put out Shannon Sharp Club shit, he put out a post, I think like the day before or the night before, say, Cat Williams' interview is going to break the internet tomorrow. And I'm like, all right, just a little self promotion, whatever, trying to play up. And I knew Cat Williams, he, look, he's still a big figure, obviously. Well, no, I didn't know it would, like, literally, the thing had like 11 million views in like a day. Like, last time I got home, is that 11 million views? And it aired earlier that day. It was, like, at 3 million views, you know, after however many hours. Like, that shit was, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, who knows what it's at now. But that thing was instant. People, that man went in on everyone. About Hollywood rituals, how things really go. How people talking, trying to play themselves up, trying to play themselves in the light, put dirt on my name. And then he exposes the truth that they can't really come out and deny. But they just try to make it like, oh, this, that, and the other. And he like proves how someone stole, like, that man's just like, fuck y'all. I don't give a fuck. I'm not into this brand bullshit. I'm into the truth. I'm into what is real. Not this thing you guys are trying to sell. Not this image. He's just into the truth at this point of his life. And, you know, maybe he's just into a point in his life where he just wants, like, truth and peace. Like, you, we don't have to, like, be combative. I'm not just going to speak on negative shit all the time and shit on people. But if you're going to come out and say something that puts me in a light, and that's not what's true, then I'm going to speak and go a step further and expose why that's false and make you look bad. And I think we all have that combative nature. It's human nature, right? Like, you know, I've been tested recently where you want to be very combative. Like people trying to say certain things about you that just aren't not true. Forget that they're just not true. But they are the opposite of the truth. Questioning your character, what you stand for, how hard you work, your effort. Questioning your effort and what you do. But because you don't go out there and just talk about how great you are all the time. But you are confident in what you do. And people want to do things to put themselves on a pedestal by knocking you down. It's very easy to just kind of have that fuck you nature and say, I don't give a fuck about the verification. You know what? You want the truth out there? Let's put the truth out there. Because you know it's going to make them look worse. But you try to avoid that. But you know what? Sometimes you got to have that moment like, you know what? All these people trying to paint this narrative, trying to put me in this and that. And sometimes you got to set them straight for the world to see. You got to set them straight to have the people that need to see it. See. And I feel that, you know. Me and Cat Williams are the same guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. No, but seriously. Ironically, I am recording this on a Friday. Kind of like... <laughs> Damn, this world's a crazy place. But then, yeah, I, I came across... I haven't watched the whole episode's entirety. I've caught, like... I watched, like... I listened to, like, the first 40 minutes before I fell asleep. And then this morning, I caught some clips, I guess, of what people clipped up in Hollywood. Point out Chris Tucker, how, like... Why is there gonna... It's like, well, he has certain connections, you know, with, you know... Epstein and stuff like that, you know, and so, but it was like, that's not why he was in another Friday movie, I mean, that's like, now it would be kind of hard to do it, but I think there was some real, probably just didn't want to do it contractually, he got too big, and once you get that big, it's like going to do something like that, you know, I don't know, you know, But man, Cat, Cat let the cat out of the bag and just said, fuck y'all. 
and he declawed all these motherfuckers at one time. Now look, I don't like I don't. That still doesn't mean like I still find Steve Harvey. I guess a lot of people have issues with Steve Harvey in the comedy community or just in general. Like now he tries to set he tries to sell himself to be a certain thing, but your life is like you've been divorced four times, and now essentially maybe not divorced, but the public stuff with him and Marjorie of her being with. It's like, you can't be this relationship advice guy, but you're essentially going to be divorced like five times now. Like, there is something to it. Like, but people eat it up, you know? And that's the thing. It's a lot of people that preach, but they don't live what they preach. And I think that's where the genesis of, like, Cat Loom's issues. Like, all y'all don't preach what you live. You preach what sounds good for image and money and capitalizing. But you don't even remote like Catwoman is not out here promoting for this is right, this is right because he's like I admit I don't live the perfect life. I've made mistakes, but you don't see me out here preaching how people should live, what they should do in vice. He just my job is to be funny and but speak the truth when it's necessary. And like you said, the truth like so I think he says I think the alcohol sound like the truth don't need no motivation. And I'm like whoa. When he said that, like out the gate, that's when you know, like, oh, he came. He came with a purpose today, <laughs> and I think Shannon said because now. And here's also another thing, right? So, it's always weird when now podcasts and people that do interviews or conversations with people have to do a follow up of their response to either the outcry, the reaction. To an episode they have. And maybe he did because it's just like since it's going so viral. Doing this clip will play into it type of thing. Like like keep the algorithm going. Like you know nothing wrong with that. But it happens all the time. People react to their biggest controversial stuff. And there are people saying oh he didn't push back. He's like I don't. I'm not a I'm, I'm here to talk to people. He's like I push back with everyone else. I push back with ass like it's like my job is to conversate. That's why you guys come a li- if you want to listen. You know what? And you know what? A Cat Williams would have done a sixty like he says. I'm not a sixty minute. If he would done a sixty minute interview with sixty minutes, would it have gotten eleven million views in a day? No one because it would be standard. It'd be edited to crazy. They wouldn't ask questions that lead to normal reactions. They would. Asking, he may answer like, "Yeah, this person's like," but it wouldn't be the same. They would edit it around, especially if there are news corporations that are connected to certain things. They've got to protect themselves and try not to, you know, make some people uneasy. You know, it wouldn't have come out the same, and we would have saw through it. It would have been too whatever. In fact, that people got to make a response. Like we got now, like. People that do podcast, people that do radio, like, we got to make react. We have to respond to people in their outcries. Like, you know what? You don't have to listen to it. If you don't like it, you know what? You could unsubscribe to the channel. You could not. But you know what? If he does another interview with Cat Williams, you're going to listen again. All the people that were like, oh, you didn't push back because it's like. And guess what? When I do a part two, you're not going to listen. And if you think you can sit in that chair and do better, then get Cat Williams to come on your show. But anyways, but that's why when he said he was, it started at the end of 2022 where he was trying to get Cat And Cat Williams said, when I'm on that side of town, I'll let you know. And then literally, I guess the day before day of, he's like, we can do it today. Chan's like, I got the whole camera crew ready. <laughs> We did it at like I think it's at 9 p.m. Like we basically, if he's not at first take, if a guest wants to do it, and that's what I like about it. like the way he does it. It's organically. It's like hey, when you're ready, we'll set up. Well, we could do it that day, or we'll set up a time in the near future. Because you're gonna get the most out of them that way. Not like hey, if we don't do it today, we're not gonna do one for the next four months because of schedule. Then you're gonna get like a whatever type of interview. It may be shortened. Shit was almost three hours because Calvin was like, I'm ready today. And when you get people that are ready, they're ready. I'm ready. Uh. Calvin was literally like SpongeBob. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
Um, yeah. Woo! That's crazy, man. You know, honestly, it's honestly not crazy to think that for context, right? Andrew Tate for a while was like any podcast or any person that did interview with Andrew Tate that was kind of unexpected, like Patrick Bet David or recently George Janko. I didn't watch him because honestly, I think George Janko, you no, know, I think. He goes against everything Andrew Tate's saying. I didn't watch the interview, but I'm pretty sure there was pushback and stuff. He literally just had him for the views, which is fine. I don't think he actually, like, genuinely, he was like, oh, Andrew Tate went great. Like, he needed Andrew Tate more than Andrew Tate. Like, okay. But, like, even that, from when it kept popping my algorithm, that didn't get as many views in the short amount of time that Club Shay Shay got. And I think now Club Shay Shay is entering into Shannon Sharp's into that territory. He may get so big. He may become technically outside of. Honestly, look, I'll say this. I think if there's any podcaster that could take over the Joe Rogan experience, if he were to kind of slow down or. Because things, are, there's been podcasts that have escalated Joe Rogan for a period of time, but he typically always gravitates back. He's still. But I think the consistency of these type of interviews, the issue is he may not have the volume yet because he has a full, but like these interviews for what they are, I think can be the best, most played individual episodes per play basis. I think is any podcast out there. I do think Shannon Sharp is right up there with Joe Rogan when it comes to popularity. Now, I think this podcast because he does a great job in every aspect. Like, he generally is a great conversationalist. With his experience, his pushback, uh, I don't put, but, you know, like, his his input, his knowledge, his ability to let people talk. And people respect Shannon Sharp from a physical standpoint, his accomplishments, his success on TV, his media presence. And... That within itself makes people of all facets automatically respect when they walk into a room with him. And he's not going to be disrespectful about his accomplishments, but I'll skip Bayless on real quick. Don't you ever discredit my accomplishments. That's for damn sure. Um, <laughs> hey, I, you ain't got to sit here and, you know, you know, tell me how great I am. Because, you know, I'm going to treat you with the same respect. But if you, for one second, try to undermine my Hall of Fame accomplishments, I'll put you in your place real quick. Um, <laughs> and that dude is jacked as fuck. Holy shit. Is he on TRT? Probably. Who gives a fuck? To be that age looking like that? Like, the dude looks bigger than when he played. Now, most of that's probably just lean body fat, but you know. The man looks great. I know, that was a sus moment, but yeah. Shannon is uh, sharp with it. But, yeah, I, I, I generally do think Shannon Sharp could potentially be one of the top podcasters. I mean, he kind of already is, like, really, especially from a YouTube sale. I mean, the dude's been doing a podcast for, I think, literally starting last year, maybe a year and a half at most, and the dude already has, like, 1.8 million subscribers in this episode, probably green. Like, just off Club Shay Shay. And he has this nightcap thing with Chad Johnson in football that's literally just started this football season. And it's already, like, I think, checked 640,000. And their show's entertaining. Like, he is... He's honestly, like, honestly, I'm gonna be... I don't think anyone really watches First Take or Undis... I mean, people watch it. People watch the YouTube clips. But he literally only does it a couple of days a week. It's not that everyday commitment grind. He's there for football, see, blah, blah, blah. But the first, it just doesn't have the same feel. I've watched it. Like, it's not the same. I don't know. Some, like, they're dynamic. You have two powerful personalities, but it's not, like, it's not the same. There's something, like, kind of iffy about it. I honestly think, like, you know, whenever his contract's up with ESPN... He might just do the podcast thing. 
where you just record, interview who he wants, and then have to talk about the Lakers all day. Then I have to talk about the same football teams. Then I have to talk about the Chiefs, the Bills, like for every fucking segment. Like he could on Nightcap, that's his avenue where you just talk about with Chad Johnson. But I don't know, maybe being on ESPN certainly helps exposure, even if you're already big enough. It's only going to help you. And if it's a part-time thing, it's not that much of a time commitment, right? But doing the podcast in, like, he could legitimately be, like, a rich, I mean, he's already a rich-ass dude. But, you know, I mean, like, just off that alone, make a phenomenal living. But, you know, if someone's paying you to come two days a week and they're paying you eight, ten million, I don't know. I can't be mad at it. But, I don't know how you could not like Shannon Sharp, though. But, I don't know. Any. Moving on. Uh, oh, God. It's a wonderful time to be out here. Yeah, so I don't know what else is out there in the news. You know, there's real issues. We got, I think, the Palestine-Gaza thing still going. I know nothing about that, so don't expect me to talk about it. Not that I don't care. Well, the Harvard professor resigned because she uh, didn't want to denounce anti-Semitism and... You know, yeah, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> regardless of like, if you're her, if you're in her position, regardless if you actually have some type of feeling towards Jewish people, stuff, like you can't realistically be ahead of a university and think this is going to end well for you. Like if you asked a simple question about like, hey, like when they had the old council meetings, like do you denounce it? And she's like, well, and we said all this word salad and all this stuff. And like, okay, but you're so are you saying that it is okay? And she's like, what I'm saying is, fuck the. That's really, I mean, you realize what she's saying. She's like, what I'm saying is, they, they're not responsible for that much funding here at Harvard University. That's, I mean, it's probably more in between the lines, right? And she quote unquote resigned, which she didn't resign. When you have that much power and you had the stones. When you when you have the strong coochie she had to be on that stand to say and not just say what the obvious that would keep her job, that means she truly felt like I got some pull. I'm gonna do what I feel and can do. That was basically so much pressure for the outside like look, if you don't resign, uh we're gonna secretly expose a lot of things about you. It's gonna be living hell. We're just gonna fire you and we're going to find calls in your contract where you don't get your money. So, if I had to guess my interpretation. Like, she's not, uh, she wasn't unfireable. They could have just fired her. If they, if Harvard, the people above Harvard, truly were against what she was saying and stuff. I think it was the eyelash and whatever. And they're like, look... We'll take care of you under the table if you resign. But you need to resign. So, yeah, you, here's your papers. And get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> here's a nice check. Sell your house. Move to Zimbabwe. And get the fuck away from us. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It just goes to show that no matter how prestigious we think these universities are. They lack common sense too. You know, they have all this knowledge and there's the ego that's attached to everything. Man, woman, position, power, strength, the university, education. It doesn't matter. It all, it's all pipes. But yeah, I'm going to stop talking about that because I haven't kept up to date with that. But yeah. I think there was some statistics like, oh, after that, Harvard uh, applications went down. Percentage is like, they're going to like deny 97% of you guys anyway. So I'm sorry that your application that you didn't put in just, 
You saved your application fee. Oh, we're sorry. You probably weren't going to get accepted anyways. That's probably the way they look at it. Um, <laughs> oh, they had an 18% drop in applications. It's like, yeah, from people that just apply just to apply. You know how much money now that, you know how much colleges, these colleges just fucking make money off application fees knowing like, there's not even a process of, like, do you even qualify to apply? I mean, I, there is a qualifications process to apply. But based off your qualifications, they can look and have a good idea. Like, yeah, this person, it's not happening. But they still let you pay, depending on how much the university is, a pretty steep fee to put some piece of paper to fill out your address and shit on it, you know? Oh, what extra courses did you take? Um... <laughs> I took a leadership social science class. Um, <laughs> we went outside and we buried a turtle. And then we uh, grew some trees there. And now there's a bunch of caterpillars. You know, homegrown science, bitch. Um, wow, you like you could really lead the nation one day. All right, do, bitch. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Like these, I'm pretty sure these college. That's just extra bankroll. Like, but yeah, they probably get more money return on their applications than they do student loans. Um, <laughs> now that's what we call big business. But yeah, all right. What are my final thoughts for today? Uh. I guess, you know, here's my final thoughts of the day, you know. Don't limit yourself. Uh, you know, someone you know, someone very, very close to me told me. And they always tell me the truth when they're tired. Say, so you always you always limit yourself. And I think I'm the opposite of that. But I think we all do in blind spots anyways. Like, so, you know, you, it's like... You always limit how much you think you could really do. You get in your own head about what you're capable of. And you don't exactly always do it. Not you don't do it. But you always underestimate what you're capable of. And I'm like, I do a lot of shit. I'm very capable, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just believe. As Josh Groban would say on the Polar Express. If you just believe, you'll get a run train on too. Um, <laughs> by the way, all those kids, like, no one's thinking about a bunch of kids on a train traveling the world to the North Pole. Barely any ticket credibility. Is that not a little foreshadowing of child trafficking? I don't know. Um, oh, no, we'll return them at midnight. We'll return them all the morning. I know it's innocent animation. Back when you could just make movies without thinking about, you know, just for entertainment, just for enjoyment, just for the story. Now we got to think about, oh, did they make this as a signal to the, you know, child trafficking community? Like, hey, we got you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying dumb shit. But no, you just got to believe in oneself. You just got to believe that you kind of, what you're capable of, and most importantly, I think, is to not let others uh, dictate how you feel about your capabilities. Um, I'm very good about like I don't let other people tell me what I can or can't do. Cause I'm just gonna do it anyways. And people say, "Oh, that's just arrogance." Like, no, it's just me kind of feeling like I'm pretty confident knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> but I uh, I think we do run into this thing where we get very comfortable of listening to people, quote unquote criticism, and there is valid criticism. Um, but criticism is only as useful as you take it, and sometimes criticism is not really criticism. Someone's criticism of you from a personal standpoint. It's still be a reflection of what they feel inadequate about. So they want you to kind of bog down to their level. 
And I think the biggest thing is have a have an arrogance about yourself in a good way. Not that I'm better than you, but it's that I'm very based off my life experience, based off my knowledge. What I'm doing, I'm doing for good reason. All right. And so not everything is just shot. Like I have a plan on what I'm doing. Then not let others deter that down. Trust in what you're doing. Trust your process. Trust your abilities. And trust that you have a good intuitive feel of what you're doing. And I think after all that bullshit I just said, because I realized that sounded like a lot of people that I would personally criticize, where you just say a whole bunch of general stuff that could be interpreted how you want and not be held accountable for what you said. Here's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> be you. Um, don't try to fit into a mold of what other people want from you. Um, and I think people will accept you a lot more. And anyone that has a problem with that, well, they can just kick, kick rocks. And hopefully they budge their toe after. Um, you, you are the prize queen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess the main thing is just trust, trust your capabilities and don't let other people try to bog that down for you. But yeah, I realized that was not a great outro, but you know what? That's the outro. So yeah. Oh, you know what I'm going to do for the next three minutes? I'm just going to let this thing play. Hit the hour mark because I'm a good guy. I'm not. I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. I just want that the hour mark. I work too hard to not hit one hour. You know, um, I'm a good man with a good heart. I don't need you from the start. Just play your part and go to Kmart. And when they close down, you can buy everything off the shelf for eighty percent off. Um, yeah. So. <sighs> I'm just going to kind of stare at you and look at myself. This is technically as close as I get to a mirror. Because if I stare at myself too long in the mirror, I'm like, God damn, you sexy ass beast. Um, <laughs> you know what? Be okay with your ego. Like, ego, to me, ego is not the downfall of men. I'll be honest. I don't think ego is really the downfall of men. Yeah, it's Clint getting sentimental. Here, t- take some shit, right? T- t- take some notes, as the bitches say. Ego's not the downfall, man. It's the lack of understanding where, of why that ego exists. And if you don't have one, you are very open to be taken advantage of. Very open to be manipulated. manipulated. And the reason why having a strong belief in who you are and what you do is important is because... People will train you. People will try to will try to convince you in certain ways that you can be easily had, and that's how you get in these situations where you know you become "quote unquote" just a sacrificial lamb. You become a crew. You become kind of like a person that uh, can be manipulated in the way you think, and I think that's when you get cults. That's when you get people. That get into that can be easily convinced into a bad what are they called uh timeshare <laughs> like people that buy into time people that can be easily swayed people that can be easily sold a thirty thousand dollar car on the spot when you just went to go look at cars like these are people they, these are what tactics are made tactics are made to manipulate and are made to sell to people to weak minded people who have no sense of what they actually want, what they're looking for, and they just let the wind blow their way. And they just they just believe what they're told, they just believe how they should do things. When you know what you're seeing too. Alright. So I don't know. I guess I just want to say, uh, believe in what you do, love what you do, care about what you do. Don't let others tell you something that you don't believe is true.
I think that's the most important thing. Don't let others convince you uh, who you are and what you're not. Because chances are, they're the ones who are really not. Alright guys, that was episode 248 of the podcast. Off and be with Clint Nelson. Enjoy. My battery's about to die.